0: Good evening and welcome to the latest Man on the Post-European Football Podcast with me, your host James Rowe and tonight I'm joined once again by my partner in crime, Scott Munro Scott, good evening, how are you? Good
1: evening James, yeah, I'm not too bad, how about yourself?
0: Yeah, keeping well, thank you Been a bit busy today with the uh, interview front I interviewed uh, James Holland who plays for Lask Linsk in Austria and uh, current Sheffield United defender Richard Stearman So, uh, been very busy today
1: I remember you told me about Richard david on Friday
0: I hope it went all right. It did. Uh, he was very, very enthusiastic, and uh, he was uh, he was grateful, uh, you know, for the professionalism and everything. And um, I shall um, I shall get those uh, written up in the coming days. And uh, fingers crossed that um, followers will be able to uh, keep an eye on my interviews. And uh, yeah, we'll keep going and see what the future will bring. We are here, as always, to speak about European football and cast our net very wide. And tonight we are going to talk about French club Montpellier, who are currently sitting third in Ligue 1. Montpellier, of course, won the French Ligue 1 title in 2012. uh, 2012. And uh, they've had a bit bit of an inconsistent time since then, but they've had a tremendous start to the... um, to the French League campaign, notably winning against Toulouse and Bordeaux and Nice, and under the tutelage of their current manager, Michel de Sakarian, they are sitting pretty at the moment, so we are going to kick off tonight by speaking about their Phoenix from the Flames kind of um, impressive rise up to the top three of um, Ligue 1 in France. What's your opinion about this, Scott?
1: Yeah, it's been, um, as you say, it's been a bit of a rocky ride for them, ever since um, winning the league back in 2011-2012, it's been a bit very hit and miss, mm. uh, they won the league on the final day of the season against uh, Auxerre a few years ago, but um, this this season they've been really good, um, they haven't lost since the opening day of the season, which they lost uh, to Dijon, I was going to make a mustard pun, but I thought I'd cut it out, it's <laughs> not, it's not it's not worth it, but yeah, they've they've been really good. They've they've settled on a on a system, a, a back three, playing a, a three five two or a three four one two, and they've got like a, a veteran defender, uh, Hilton. He's 41 years old and he's mastering the defence. Mm-hmm. And he's played nine games this season and he's just standing it's, with the settled system and then doing really well. it's added a bit of stability up top. And they've got um, an informed striker.
0: Which uh, they've got on loan from Toulouse with uh, Andy Delort, mm-hmm. who's who scored at the weekend and has uh, got them firing. Yeah, you mentioned about Vittorio Hilton, He's also the club captain as well, and he has yeah. he has experience in the past with, uh, I believe, Olympic Marseille and uh, yeah, and Lens as well. So they've they've always had a, a decent collective. And I also think the chairman needs to have um, the light shine upon him because uh, the chairman, Laurent Ligolin, he's um, he's been extremely uh, careful in terms of budgeting, in terms of attracting players. And, um, yeah, everything a chairman should be, really, looking at the club, uh, a long-term perspective, looking after the club. And it's great to see this this team who, uh, you know, once lauded as perennial relegation candidates every single year uh, climb back up to the echelon, uh, t- top echelons of the table, my memories of, of Montpellier is when I went, to wa- I went to watch them play Arsenal in the um, 2012 uh, uh, 2013 Champions League campaign and we won 2-0 at home thanks to goals by uh, Jack Wiltshire and Lucas Podolski. It was an absolute belter by the way a tremendous volley and the, yeah and that montpellier side were extremely unlucky not to get a point they looked really um resolute they looked really organized and they've had some very good players and um they um they are um it was was a new name in the Champions League you didn't really get to see uh, a team of that ilk come along every so often so I decided to uh, take my chances and go all the way from Amsterdam to watch the match and I wasn't disappointed but yeah Montpellier um, are a very very decent side they've also got a very very good uh, women's team as well I uh, interviewed uh, Anouk Decker who won the European Championships with the Netherlands ladies back in 2017 and when I interviewed her and spoke to her about Montpellier she said about the the facilities the club has and how well they're looked after and how professionally everybody at the club is treated so uh, I think Montpellier fans can be quite quite satisfied at this moment in time
1: Yeah I would agree with that maybe they're a bit I would say Uh, how would I say it's not Overlooking
0: this, so that they're probably taking a game by game process mm-hmm. where they're where they're doing well at the moment,
1: like not trying to get o- ahead of themselves, yeah. but by every game because you know who's top of the league is PSG, and they're gonna probably run away with it,
0: but if Montpellier keep going on about this they could get European football next season they could they could do it as well and they had a period in, in the early 90s where they uh, also played in European football I think they, uh, they also beat PSV Eindhoven as well back in, back in that in that, um, at that time and uh, as, you, as you say with Paris Saint-Germain running away with it Paris Saint-Germain played Lille this Friday and Lille under Christophe Gaultier are also doing extremely well and you know People will often say, "Oh, they're over the hills and far away. They've won it already." It's still twenty-seven games to uh, twenty-seven games to go. There's still many a twist and turn ahead. I mean, yes, it's highly likely that Paris Saint-Germain will win the uh, league, but um, in terms of the European spots and the Touring and throwing I think we may well see um, a, a couple of different teams from France qualifying for Europe next season. Yeah, definitely,
1: because you've got Lyon pushing for it. Lille, uh, who's doing excellent after their Let's say, not so good last season with yeah. Marcelo Bielsa yeah. buying in all the, uh, the South American talent and it's just like him not working for him at the moment where he was last season. Yeah, maybe the league needs a bit of freshen up with some new teams
0: coming in mm. and probably challenging PSG for the title
1: and for European honours.
0: Yeah, I I also think as well having watched a fair few french teams down the years and most recently in um, in nice and monaco and montpellier in this instance as well um i think people are far too quick to uh, to cast off the league in terms of depth i think it's a, i think it's it's an acquired taste i think it's a league that you would want to watch and um you know anyone can beat anybody especially in terms of um you know the the mid-table teams, especially home advantage, doesn't seem to be extremely apparent neither But um, I think it's uh, I think we should tip our hat to Montpellier, and uh, it's nice for us to um, on this European podcast throw the net wide and include lots of different teams to in order to stand out from the crowd a little bit.
1: Definitely, couldn't agree more.
0: Yeah. Okay, well we will now move on to our second subject which Scott will know an awful lot about and he can tell us about last night's result in Rome. We are now going to discuss uh, Lazio Inter from last night and we are now going to shine a light on uh, on Lazio in particular. Scott, well, what were your opinions of last night's match? Uh,
1: Inter uh, came out of the game with a, a very comfortable 3-0 victory. They dominated the game from start to finish. Um, the midfield controller game Marcelo Brozovic put in a bit of a masterclass in the centre midfield and if you give two chances to Mario Cardi he's going to punish you and um, he took his goals very well but Inter come, come away from that game just showing their class, showing their quality after a bit of a slow start to the season Lazio again were, like struggling in the big games they definitely missed um Lucas Pigli last night, who uh, missed the game two to injury, and they definitely um, missed uh, Milan Medelj, who got taken off injured halfway through the first half, mm. and that paid that pivotal to, uh, to inter-control in the game. Lazio had their chances, Chura uh, Mobley had a couple of chances tonight by Sami Handanovic, Milinkovic savic had a very, very off game, he's not showing the form that he had last season and he's struggling a lot this season he doesn't look like his head's there maybe he's like he wants to move away
0: Mm -hmm.
1: but yeah just for Lazio again it's just like they're always losing the big ones the big gains but something's not like not clicking for them maybe it says they're missing Luis Alberto as well and missing um, Malinkovic Savage's form because he he was very crucial and pivotal, pivotal for last season but they'll be okay um I wonder if the the last gas defeat to Inter Milan last season on the final day is still not over, Mm -hmm. where Lazio were fourth, Inter were fifth. It was a a showdown for the final Champions League spot of last season. Inter came away with a win, 3-2, thanks to a very, very, very late comeback. Uh, Mario Carli penalty and Matthias Ficino scored a late, late header. And that really hit them hard and also losing Stefan de Vrij their best defender at the club he went on uh, he went to Inter Milan for a free transfer mm-hmm. and um, yeah that probably hit him hard but Ndagi's doing a really good job with them in the last couple of years and just they have to win the big games because they're struggling to win them this
0: season In your opinion um, Scott do you think Lazio uh, will make much progression in Europe this season?
1: Yeah, I think they will. They've got, uh, oh, they've got an okayish group. What? Eintracht Frankfurt, Marseille. Yeah. Uh, they beat Marseille in midweek. Uh, they won out the Velodrome, mm-hmm. which, which was a, um, uh, was a bit of a shock to me because I thought Marseille would probably get something out of the game.
0: Yeah.
1: Home atmosphere, home The Velodrome crowd is quite hostile, but that's a come out with the win, no problems at all. And I could
0: see them going far in Europe this season. Yeah, I watched uh, part of the Lazio uh, Marseille Marseille Lazio game um, last Thursday, and what one thing was apparent to me was one of the stands at the Velodrome appeared to be completely empty. And there oh, was a, there was off. there was a bit of fisticuffs as well in this, in in and around Marseille before the uh, before the match. And I wonder if the w- raucous atmosphere of the Velodrome could really rear its head. On a particular occasion like that, especially with one uh, with one state with one stand empty, friend yeah. of the, friend of the pod Ross Bell, by the way, has sent us our very first question, so upon which we are grateful to him. Cheers, Ross. Uh, he would like to know, uh, and maybe you'd be able to um, shine some light on it, uh, Scott. About um, how is Bielsa's reputation in Italy after his uh, experience with Lazio? I don't really think he
1: had a reputation with Lazzo, who who's only there for two days mm. he, he came in uh, after the end to the 2016 season like in the summer uh, on a two year deal I think it was um, only there for two days requested all these players to be signed didn't happen threw his toys out of the pram and then they rehired Simone Inzaghi yeah
0: yeah, um, what's your opinion of Claudio uh, Lotito, the chairman? Do you think Do you think he's a good chairman for Lazio? Uh,
1: he's a bit hit and miss in my eyes. He gets he gets a lot of criticism from Lazio fans when he first took over about ten years ago. He was getting death threats. He was getting bullets in the post. He was getting everything fired at him. But I. I year after year he's done a good job he's found some absolute gems for the club it's like getting Chirro Mobile back to back to Italy from his two awful years at Borussia Dortmund and at Sevilla was a was a masterstroke and he's he's got the best out of uh, Luis Alberto who did not have a good run at Liverpool and Serge Milinkovic-Savic. savage but yeah I think he's year by year yeah,
0: he's done all right for the club. Mm. And uh, we can shine a light on Simone and Saggy because I think the uh, I think the parents of the Insagi brothers can take a lot of credit. They've got one manager, they've got one of their sons managing Lazio and the other one managing Bologna. So yeah, there must there must be something in their genes. And looking from afar as well, Scott, they both appear to be two not just ex- extremely intelligent footballers, but also two extremely intelligent men.
1: Yeah, uh Smiley and is a very astute coach He um, he doesn't settle on one system He's got a couple of systems at Lazio uh, Last couple of years Actually the last 18 months He's been playing with a back three And then with one or two up top So like a 3-4-3, three, three, a hybrid of that And he's got a very well organised And very astute And is getting the best of uh, uh, that front three which was um, Serge Milinkovic-Savic, Luis Alberto and uh, Ciro Amoble mm-hmm. And Immobile was on form last season. So that that system is acquired for them. Mm. But I like I like it, He's a very very good guy. He was a bit underrated. Uh when he first hit the job because it was a caretaker role because um, Stefano Pioli got the sack yeah. after the Rome Derby in twenty sixteen where Roma won four one in a very empty stadium.
0: Mm.
1: But uh yeah, he's done a very good job for him And uh, let's see if fans are thinking, can he take him up to the next level? it
0: be interesting to see. I I partly agree with you. I think they've got um I think they've got a li- a little bit more to expect maybe in a European adventure. But also that group is going to be toing and throwing uh, right into the end because under Frankfurt have made such a fantastic start, so it'll be very interesting to see what happens. Yeah, they've
1: got the uh, the boys at Luka Jovic who uh, scored five
0: for them in the Bundesliga about two weeks ago. Yeah, and I think as well, I think they've they've gained so much. confidence from winning the German Cup against Bayern Munich last May. also have Jeter Willems, who although um, is often overlooked at international level on his day when he's on it, he's extremely powerful, ext- extremely quick and uh, he, can be a, he can be a real handful. So I think, um, I think it's going to be a, a very interesting Euro- Europa League group and uh, be very interesting to see who comes out of Lazio's group in particular yeah definitely completely agree with that okay well we are now going to as our third subject we are now going to look at the very very big gargantuan club in Germany some might say although you know apart from the obvious in uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach a third um, in the 1970s this club was absolutely mammoth this club w- w- uh, was reaching uh, European uh, finals and this club was winning domestic Bundesliga titles uh, they're currently up in the top three, having won three of their last six matches. Uh, I interviewed their USA defender Fabian Johnson not so long ago and asked him about the current state of uh, Borussia Dortmund in terms of preparation for the new season and their new ma- uh, in the manager in uh, Dieter Hecking. And he told me that they had a particularly tough pre-season in terms of physical matches and physical training. And I think this has really stood them in good stead for them to have such a very, very good start in the in the league. Uh, one uh, piece that stuck with me on that interview as well, Scott, was that um, you know did the hecking when um, when he needs to raise his voice, uh, he will do it when he wants to have a laugh and a joke and relax his players, he will do that well he will do that as well and Fabian Johnson also said about the um about he knows when to when to change things up. They know they know when they need to uh, to turn the screw as it will, uh, and they know when they can uh, what what exactly they have to do. And I think they could well be a surprise in the Bundesliga this season. What's your take on it? Yeah,
1: Bundesliga has been quite hot this season. You've got Bayern Munich who are struggling. Who we actually talked about in one of our earlier episodes. Yep. And we got Borussia Dortmund, who are on fire this season, who we also talked about in our early episodes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm really impressed with Borussia black, even though they did lose uh, on Friday night away at Freiburg, three-one, in a bit of a shock result. Yeah. would
0: you Would you agree with that, James? I would, but uh, looking from afar, I believe Freiburg uh, at home in particular, they can be a they can be a bit of a, they, they a pass, tough yeah. a tough nut to crack.
1: Yeah, well, they've recently been promoted.
0: Yeah.
1: So yeah, um, I would I would have thought as as Gladbach after the run the form they've had, they could have come away with a result in that game. But you never know. Football's not played on paper; it's played on grass.
0: Absolutely, Uh, I think I think that should be uh, cast on many a murals for many a professional football club because uh, I think (laughs) I think it's somewhat overlooked
1: completely agreeing it's always like oh this club's away at this club they should win at that yeah. no no but yeah, I've been really impressed with them good win over Mainz the week before 4-0 yeah. and also they did win in the Alliance Arena very comfortably 3-0 against Bayern Munich yeah. and I do like Torgen Hazard he's a wonderful player to watch and uh, this season is proving to be a very pivotal season for him because he's, he's starring in that front line
0: well there are some that if you look at their squad they've got some very good players. Yeah. I I think Jan Sommer, their goalkeeper, I think he's an oh, I, I think he's an ex I think he's an excellent goalkeeper. Uh Oskar Ventz is the vice captain of Sweden and he's been a, he's been playing um he's been playing for Borussia Managing for a long, long time. Lars Stindel who's the captain who I think is is quite underrated. I think he went to the uh Confederations Cup with Germany and picked up a fair few goals. And um, Matthias Ginter as well. He, I think he used to play for Borussia Dortmund. He did, yeah. And you, they they they've got a manager in charge, in Dieter Hecking. That's that's won the that's won the German Cup against uh, Borussia Dortmund when he was in charge of Wolfsburg. And um, but, uh, Christoph uh, Klama, I think he played in the World Cup final too. So there's, there's, well. Yeah, there's a there's a he didn't know where he was. Did he? Nah, nah. <laughs> he didn't. He looked as if he. would if he'd just been hit by a bulldozer, when I remember, I remember his face when he come off the pitch, and but I suppose he, he would have been cheered up when someone when he came to that someone says you're a world champion. Yeah, he was. Uh, they got him from by Leverkusen. They
1: did the old uh, two year loan deal, and then he was sold to Leverkusen, and then they managed to get him back. That squad is very good for in the Bundesliga I do like Jan Sommer I, I was really hoping that someone would go for him in the summer i.e. Roma when they lost Alisson but Robin Olsen has been a, a very good deputy on Lars Stindl he's been playing up front in like a force 9 role and he's not really that like in that well in that position he's more of like a uh a central midfielder, maybe an attacking midfielder, and he's mm. been like suited into that role so easily. You got Raphael who is a very good attacker, and um, Alisson Play, who they got from France last season. They get, was it from Nice?
0: Uh, I believe so. Yeah, I think he was, um, it, yeah, it was from Nice. He, he made, I think. Over 100 appearances For Nice as well And he was part of that He was part of that Nice niece side Under Lucien Favre Which I lord about Who have Since been forgotten Because it was just Like a whirlwind In terms of What they uh, The football they played But uh, You you see now Under um, Under Lucien Favre At Dortmund You know they, they, They're getting Absolutely rave reviews and, and this is just The beginning And oh, then yeah. You know, when I saw him play in Amsterdam against Ajax last um, last August, he looked a bit gangly. Where you thought, you know, you don't necessarily know what's coming here but his his anticipation when a ball would come in the box, or his anticipation to go to the ball or try to chastise his defender was very impressive indeed.
1: It looks like he's hit the ground running in Germany. Evidently, the uh, the Bayern Munich game we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, he scored uh, one of the goals. And um, he caught um, Thiago on the ball, and he caught Mamor Nora which was, uh, which is always good to see because he always running the risk of uh, playing the game dangerously with his sweeper keeper goalkeeping.
0: Yeah, I think it's very impressive, and also having dealt with the uh, with the press office of uh, Manchester back when I interviewed Fabian Johnson, I can't speak highly enough of them. They were extremely professional. And, uh, yeah, a, a huge club, you know, everybody seems to think that uh, the Bundesliga is just by Munich, but uh, Gladbach are um, a club with a lot of history, and, uh, yeah, good to see them up in the top echelons, and uh, who knows what they could achieve. With a bit of luck, it would be nice for them to achieve Champions League football. Oh, yeah, I think
1: they, they'll miss it. They've it a couple of times in the last couple of seasons where they've stuck in the fourth place in the Bundesliga, but they've had like the very tough group. I remember a couple of years ago, they had to play Manchester City
0: mm-hmm. when uh, Manchester City just had Pep in charge, which was like his first season. And it was a really impressive card back, and I think they gave uh, Man City
1: very good games. I think they had Juventus and Sevilla in the group as well. Yeah, that's...
0: that's if that's, memory that's, serves that's... me right. That's uh, that's a bit of a that's a bit of a jump in it's terms of uh, yeah it's a tough group but again it's all it's all experience you know and um, I remember I remember they played a uh, a mid season friendly against Ajax here in Amsterdam last uh, last November and it was mainly a reserve team that came but you also had the likes of uh, of Patrick Herman, who's been there who's been there for a long, long time and uh, midfielder Tobias Toloebol. And um, it was a. Uh, uh, Reese Oxford also was uh, was playing for them uh, in, in that game. Uh, I think it was a draw, actually, although the crowd seemed to have got a little bit bored because a lot of people were making paper planes out their tickets. <laughs> that,
1: I would imagine that would have been last season or the year before because Reese Oxford's.
0: That was last November, I believe, if memory serves me rightly and i managed to go. i managed to go along for 8 euros and i thought it's not every day you get to see uh, Borussia and gladback i was surprised that a pre-season friendly in november uh, just between the um, just before the international break and the resumption of uh, of uh, again domestic football i was surprised but uh, you got to take your chances when they come and uh, yeah okay. it was uh, it was nice to see Bruce and Montreal play ix ok in a friendly setting in a stadium that was three quarters empty but for the tidy sum of only 8 euros yeah, can't go wrong with that 8 euros bloody hell yeah it was, it was quite it was quite uh, it was quite fun uh, that concludes our um, latest european um uh, Man on the Post European Football Podcast. Before I forget, because your host has been a little bit silly sometimes with forgetting the Twitter handles, and upon that, I say to many a follower, many a listener, um, I hope, hopefully, you still manage to find me and Scott. You know, hopefully, the voice has travelled or the uh, the hiss, uh, hears- the um, word of mouth, if you like. So, Scott, would you like to tell everybody your Twitter handle, please? Uh, you can follow
1: me on Twitter at Scott underscore
0: Monroe. Yeah, and please do, because you can read many and many interesting comments about uh, about Italian football, about football in general, about Swindon Town as well, which is very impressive. Uh, followers may also wish to follow me at atjamesrowannell, and should you have any questions for us both going forward for future pods, however vague you think they may be, then please forward them through, and uh, we'll do our very, very best to answer them. We've had our first question in tonight, so we'd like to think the ball is now rolling, so... Uh, don't be shy and feel free to send them through. Finally, we'd like to point you in the direction of the Man on the Post uh, network. Uh, there's many a thing to uh, to look through on the Man on the Post uh, podcast with um, unusual efforts and Man on the Post extra time. There really is something for everybody, so check it out and see what takes your fancy. And we look forward to you joining us again next time, listener, and always remember to keep your man on the post.